Howdy folks, welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit Podcast, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. If you want to send feedback to the show, you can send it by email to usagipodcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on the Ronin Rabbit Google Plus page. The website is bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. And Steve allows me to post notice of the episodes on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook page. Today I'm looking at Usagi Yojimbo Volume 2, Issue Number 4 from Mirage Publishing, cover dated September 1993. And I believe last episode, or perhaps the one prior to that, I may have alluded to um, an, an inaccurate assumption about the Mirage Volume so far, and I believe it's going to hold true through the entire volume, this entire volume of Usagi is going to be in color, I'm pretty sure. I haven't read really in advance of what I talk about, but I seem to recall that, uh, I I know for sure that these that we've read so far have been in color, and I believe the entire 16-issue volume turns out to be. Not sure if I alluded otherwise, but that is the case. It's all in color. All right, uh, this story uh, is going to primarily involve, of course, Miyamoto Usagi. He's our protagonist. We also have Magistrate Suyoka and his brother Yuzo. We have a family, uh, Moyashi, Kimi, and a rather prunish wife. And we have a villager named Nobu. And as I go through the story, of course, we'll find out the individual relationships between all of those. But that's kind of the announcement of the, uh, uh, I guess, dramate personae, uh, if you were given to speak in Latin. Title of the story is She. Uh, This issue, uh, we only have the one story. The first panel, the first page, is a full-page picture of a, of a village that Usagi has wandered into today. A rather uh, serene-looking village. We've got a couple kids on top of a rooftop uh, flying kites with their pet tokagi between them. We have a vegetable peddler down here at the bottom, perhaps with his cart or with a stand. Other villagers walking around doing various daily things. We have a female villager here with her baby strapped to her back. We have another young lady carrying some produce with a tokagi next to her that may or may not belong to her. But the cool thing is this tokagi is outfitted with a contraption that allows it to carry a little bit of vegetables on its back. And you can see by Usagi's countenance that he's kind of at ease here. He's got kind of a smile on his face as he's taking in the entire scene here at the village. Then he's kind of snapped out of his uh, his uh, reverie, as it were, by a, a tokagi that screeches as it's shooed off the vegetables that it's climbed upon the vegetable merchant, shooing it away before it destroys any of his wares. Uh, Usagi walks up to him and they engage in a little bit of conversation. Ultimately, Usagi buys a kuboka. Maybe is how it's pronounced, K-A-B-O-C-H-A, which is apparently a winter squash. It's called uh, Japanese pumpkin. And oddly enough, and I, I hope that this doesn't prove true for Usagi, given his, uh, his life path that he has chosen, but many cultures consider it an aphrodisiac, which I thought 
kind of interesting that it would show up here. But it shows up here more because it's a Japanese pumpkin, uh, which perhaps owns to how commonly available it is, uh, such as pumpkins over here in the U.S. Seasonal, but once that season drops, uh, you can find pumpkins, of course, everywhere, anywhere, just about. So Usagi buys one, kind of convinced by the vegetable peddler that, you know, this is what you want. This will be really good roasted. He says, uh, it'll roast, it'll taste good roasted over an open fire. Uh, Usagi being a traveler, maybe he's, you know, the assumption is he's prone to have open fires. Well, in the midst of their uh, friendly banter here, a trio of thugs turns up. And of course, I mean thugs as in the uh, original definition of the word thug, not as how it is being portrayed in modern culture to apply only to uh, black individuals. They are harassing the vendor, uh, trashing his wares, putting down the quality, and then when he attempts to defend himself, they overturn his cart and the largest of the three grabs him by the collar and hoists him into the air. We have a cool panel here, a single panel of Usagi standing, holding his his uh, winter squash under one arm, his kaboka, and very serious look on his face, and he tells them to let him down, and then in bolder print he says, gently. And it, you, you can just, you can tell by the way Usagi looks that he is very serious at this particular moment, which is quite the change from what everything had been up until now. My my feeling is almost that the the portrayal here it changes from a what Usagi wishes life or his life could be like wishes it to be and then this one panel resumes the life that Usagi actually is living or is having to live. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but that's kind of what I felt as. I was reading this and we transitioned into this because after this point, the typicalness of what these Usagi tales have been up to now kind of takes over. So we had our uh, happy respite and then real life intruded here. So they, uh, the thugs turn their attention onto this, this Ronin that presumes to tell them what to do and they attack Usagi. Usagi quickly defeats them um, and, and convinces them to move on, not killing anybody this time. He was not, I guess, he was not personally um, threatened, so he did not feel it was necessary to use deadly force, just enough force. As the thugs are running away, Magistrate Suyoka, the local magistrate, comes up, asks what the disturbance was, tells Usagi that he needs to leave town because this is a peaceful town and I don't want any problems, which is funny considering that the thugs, you know, of course, and and that's part of the story, we'll see. Usagi helps the vendor uh, pick up his cart, as do several of the other villagers here. So uh, owning back to that nice, serene, idyllic type of lifestyle that was portrayed, here we see that the villagers are helping each other. We then cut to the resident of Magistrate Suyoka, where he is talking, oh, oddly enough, to the three thugs. And he's giving them uh, a brow beating because they got paid to chase this vegetable vendor out of the village. 
And not only did they not do that, but they were interfered with and intimidated by this uh, dirty, dusty, sh- path-traveling Ronin. So they they just completely did not fulfill what they were hired to do. Now, my thought is that the, these thugs are probably just some local rabble that's been hired by the magistrate. After he sets these three back on, on the path to do what they're told, to get rid of this vendor once and for all, inside the residence we're introduced to Juzo, the brother of the magistrate, and probably alcoholic. Uh, he seems to be carrying a jug of wine over his shoulder, and he keeps tipping it up on his shoulder. I, I think you guys have seen that. They'll hold it by the neck and tip it up with their shoulder kind of move. That's that's how he's drinking. But uh, the, the biggest thing about Juzo is we see the story that is the true background of what is going on here. Uh, Juzo is reminding his brother, he says, last week that farmer brought us some shiny rocks from Izumi Valley that he thought were gold. He wanted to share it with everyone, so he came to you. And why not? After all, you're the magistrate. You can be trusted. We celebrated his good fortune with some sake. Too bad he got so drunk he fell to his death while walking along the narrow mountain path. What else would people have thought except that he was drunk and lost his footing? And you see in a couple panels there at the end, the farmer falling, but panning up at the edge of the rocky path, silhouetted by the moon behind them are these two figures, and they are Juzo and Magistrate Suyoka. So what they have decided to do is keep the knowledge that the Izumi Valley has a, a gold supply to themselves, chase all the villagers out of the valley, run them out, whatever, get rid of them, claim the valley, claim the gold for themselves. That is their plan anyways. All right, we cut to Usagi and his new friend Moyashi, the vegetable vendor, as they are walking home after working, selling the vegetables. Uh, Moyashi's going home, and Usagi's accompanying him because as payment for running off the thugs, Moyashi invited Usagi home for the evening meal and uh, a place to rest. So they're walking, talking about the the just the uh, political climate, I guess, of, of the village there, and Usagi's asking, you know, you you have have you noticed anyone else having trouble? And it seems like everyone that Moyashi had could remember having trouble was also from the village where Moyashi was down in the valley. Now, after hearing this, several instances of these villagers being harangued, Usagi, as far as we can tell, didn't make any type of connection with that, just that, oh, it was occurring. Uh, So they get to the house, and um, as soon as he stops, the uh, vegetable peddler, Moyashi, I'll I'll call him Moyashi, uh, stops and he says, Yoisho, oh my bones, I'm getting too old for this. Well, I looked up Yoisho, because I thought at first it was the name of his wife and he was calling for his wife, but it's not. It seems that for most intents and purposes... Yoisho does not have a direct English translation. The best uh, example of how it's used is 
the sound that somebody would give after a long, hard physical day when they flop in their nice easy chair at the end of the day and they exclaim, Yoisho. Now, I couldn't necessarily say what that means, but I certainly understand the meaning from that description, uh, having been there on many, many occasions. So that was something interesting. No definition or anything given in the story, just the word Yoisho. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I think that's the first time really in Usagi that we've run into a word that is uh, indigenous, I guess you could say, to the Japanese language. So they go in the house of the wife and Kimmy, the daughter, two completely different reactions. The wife exclaims, a samurai, (laughs) whereas Kimmy says, a samurai, sigh, very different. Moyoshi introduces Usagi, why he's there, of course, because Mama wants to know. You know, she's got another mouth to feed, so what? what is this unannounced? They eat a nice meal. Uh, the entire time you can see the mother is not happy. Mama, Mama does not like having Usagi here um, because he's a samurai. And my impression is that she doesn't trust the samurai. That could be because all the problems that have been befalling local villagers at the hands of those thugs, um, two or maybe all three who are dressed in traditional samurai garb, so you would assume that they are samurai. Kimmy, immediately after the meal, wants to get Usagi alone, so she asks him if he would like to go for a walk with her, and and they go walking through the village. She, well, I was going to say all but, she, she pretty much just throws herself at him, because she sees Usagi as her savior, saving her from this boring, mundane existence of continuing to stay in this little village, in this little valley, She wants to see the world. Usagi is her way out. It's her ticket. As she is uh, throwing herself, I'll say, at Usagi, we are introduced to Nobu. Nobu is another villager there, male villager. And he seems to be um, insulted by Kimmy's actions because... They are betrothed, and they have been since they were both children. Now, she takes exception with that because she feels that they had no idea what they were doing. They didn't have a clue, and so why should she honor this pledge she made when she didn't know what she was pledging to? Well, Nobu doesn't feel the same. Uh, Nobu is very much the traditionalist and berates her for her outsider beliefs. Okay, he being the representative of the insider, the the uh, the contained crowd. She wants out of containment. He is content within. As they're arguing, uh, they notice that Usagi is gone, and they look around, and, and sure enough, he is not anywhere within sight. Up above the village, on a little portion, probably of the path that we have seen them take are the three thugs. They've been watching this interaction. Then all of a sudden, they too noticed they were watching the couple argue, and they noticed that they don't see Usagi either. That is who they were sent to keep an eye on, was Usagi, because he is the troublemaker, according to Magistrate Suyoko. They're looking around, not seeing anything. Back behind them, a, a bush rustles, and you hear a, uh, uh, they hear a, a tokagi, 
they move up to the bush and another Tokagi squeak and another Tokagi squeak over here to the side and they decide, oh, it's nothing but a bunch of lizards. There's another squeak over here. Finally, it, it the, the the squeaks keep coming. So one of the villagers, oh, excuse me, one of the thugs walks up and starts shaking the village with his uh, with his sword, and out pops Usagi, surprising the three thugs again, uh, using just the amount of force. He tells them to get on their way. First, he asks, you know, what are you doing here? And they give him the story of well. You humiliated us, and we were going to run you out of town and then go tell the village that you know we were the ones that defeated you and, and get our honor back honor honor among thieves, no less, so he sends them on their way, and this time he follows them. he follows them all the way back to the magistrate's house now usagi doesn't know who whose house this is, so he plays being a drunk, wandering around you know playfully. And then the guard, in the course of that interaction, explains to him where he is. And Usagi leaves, kind of curious. Hmm, he thinks, the magistrate's house, eh? So now we cut to inside the magistrate's house, where the three thugs are back reporting their failure to Magistrate Suyoka, uh, this time with Juzo being there. And they apologize profusely, and he... The magistrate is getting ready to set them up to attempt again uh, to do something with this troublemaker. But Juzo says not to worry. I've taken care of it. I've already called uh, a band of four who sell their services as professional assassins. And he says they're called the She, I believe is how you pronounce it. S-H-I. She. And the magistrate is like, She? Well, that means four. There are four of them. Four assassins. Well, that's... You know, that's pretty funny. And Juzo says, yes, except they use this character to spell she, which means death. So my assumption is that there are similar kanji, I believe is what they're called. One can be interpreted read as death, one as four. So they are the four deaths for assassins. So it's it's a play there that they, they use to call themselves. All right, the next morning in the Izumi Valley, Usagi asks for a meeting of the village, and he's trying to warn them about Magistrate Suyoka. He tracked the thugs there. The thugs are causing problems. Well, the magistrate must be giving the thugs their orders. The village, led by the wife and Nobu, the wife of Moyashi, the prune woman, whatever you want to call her, and Nobu, the villagers won't hear of Usagi besmirching Magistrate Suyoka. So his meeting goes nowhere. And Nobu decides that he will prove that the problem is Usagi. And he will do this by taking vegetables from the valley up to the next village to sell them and coming back. And when he does all of that successfully, it will prove that the problem that Moyoshi had was due to Usagi, not anything Moyoshi did. On the trip up the mountain, Nobu runs afoul of the three thugs that are being led by Magistrate Suyoka. They beat him up, leave him lying there. When he wakes up, 
and realizes he's not alone. He looks up in fear because he feels the thugs are still there and they're going to give him another beating. But no, this time it's the death. Um, Nobu is, is very rattled and says, who are you? Who are you? And then in quotes, the leader just says death. And it's it's an interesting assortment. We have a a female that has a bow and arrow. The Probably the leader uh, is dressed as a samurai. One gentleman has a spear and a katana. And the other has um, a weighted chain attached to the uh, curved sickle type implement, which uh, the name is escaping me at the moment. And I'm sure if I looked it up, I could find it quickly. I apologize. So that is the four or death, whichever they, he said, like I said, death, but it was in quote marks in his uh, text bubble. All right, guys, um, let's see. She, Yoyoshi, um, I was I was really impressed with that very first panel, how serene the, the village was drawn by Mr. Sakai. It, it just looked like a nice, quiet, um, family-ish kind of village. You know, everybody going about their normal kind of things that a village would. So that I, I thought that was kind of cool. It's unfortunate that Usagi had to run afoul of something yet again, and uh, we couldn't have a story where he just did something normal to kind of give the character a break. You know, I, I kind of enjoy those stories because a poor dude seems to run afoul of something every issue. And I understand that makes for more interesting reading than just sitting around and supping and having tea with a family. But sometimes breaks like that in, in stories are kind of cool to experience. Next time out is Usagi Ujimbo, Volume 2, Issue Number 5 from Mirage Publications, cover dated December 1993. That'll be Episode 61. Talk to you guys then. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives, 3.0, Unported License.